0: Greetings, friends. Sam Marjofsky here. News Talk 840 KXNT. Happy Friday before Christmas, December the 22nd. Uh, next week, uh, forgive me, uh, Robbie and I, uh, we are taking a, a little break. Uh, given it's really a, a week that most people spend... ...away from the radio, so we will not be here, just a matter of programming for uh, for the week between Christmas and New Year. Um, I'll be back, of course, uh, January 2nd, uh, full show, catching up on everything that's going on. Now, I'm not going anywhere, so in the event of some breaking news or a need to talk to you about something, I, Sam Marjofsky, host of the What's Right Show, will be back... In studio, ready to report on whatever's going on. Of course, if you've got any questions, comments, concerns, particularly while I am away from the show, let's uh, uh, email, of course, Sam at Sam and Ash Law.com. Sam at Sam and Ash Law, L A W.com. That's where you can reach me. So I am. Um, How to end out this year, right? If today is the last show of 2023, what can we talk about? What do we, how do we sum this year up? And I have, well, because I am not Joe Biden, I can count the words that I'm going to use. So I'm going to say two words for me describe 2023. And they are turning point. Almost every single story that is going on right now, from January 6th to the scandal at Harvard and these other Ivy League schools with their terribly um, just ineffective and idiotic leadership, and everything in between, uh, is uh, to me, showing signs that the left's progressive march leftward in this country is running into the stiffest opposition that it's ever seen. And I am, so that's again, why am I saying turning point? I see glimmers of hope that the pendulum has, if, if it hasn't completely stopped in its leftward uh, progression, it's starting to significantly slow down. People have had enough. Let me give you here today one example of this. So there was the Times, New York Times, published a piece yesterday, came out late yesterday, by John McWhorter. Now, he's an opinion columnist for the Times, and he wrote a piece uh, titled Why Claudine Gay Should Go. Now I don't particularly, folks. I I'm not as impressed by Harvard as many people out there are. The Harvard brand to me has been tainted for a long time. And as somebody who, for example, in the in my day job as the as a partner at a law firm and someone who certainly hires uh, aspiring young lawyers uh, from time to time, would, would not consider somebody from Harvard or many of these Ivy League schools because I've, I've met them and I'm wholly unimpressed with them. They're just not prepared for life the way that students from other schools are. And the reason for it is they have long valued things that have nothing to do with academic or intellectual fitness. And that's why this story is important, because it's not about Harvard. It is about the entire leftist agenda that has centered its entire priority over uh, around, I should say, identity politics. Your background, your class, your race, your gender, be it mutable some days, immutable others, Those characteristics define the worthiness of a person to be accepted into a a spot at a college, be given a job, be promoted to a leadership role within uh, an organization. And we conservatives from the beginning of time have known that this is complete bunk. People like Thomas Sowell have cautioned against this. Cautioned, by the way, is an understatement, is a far too gentle of a word for it. We have been screaming from the mountaintops that this is going to lead to catastrophe. And what you're seeing now, when you see a guy like John McWhorter, who as recently as, what was this, Robbie, I was showing you, October 4th, Wrote a piece about Ibram Kendi. And at least Ibram Kendi is one of the deans of the DEI movement. And it said the, 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 the piece was titled, Don't Call Ibram Kendi a Grifter. Now, remember, he's, he had a center for anti racist research where the whole thing is going up in smoke. And I think he likely, it seems, the allegations are there's a, some money missing and the whole thing is a sham. And um, McWhorter wrote, as recently as October, a piece defending somebody who I think is a certainly deeply problematic person, to say the least. And now he has turned on even Claudine Gay. Now, why? Because it's indefensible. All of this, it's now as plain as day. It's the story, and I keep coming back to it. The emperor and the little boy, the emperor's new clothes, you know the now, the gist of that story, everybody's admiring the emperor's new clothes. What fine raiments, your majesty. Oh, my gosh, this is the most exquisite clothes. Nobody wants to say out loud that the emperor is naked. And what happens in that story, of course, is that, you know, from the mouth of babes, a little boy brings about a turning point. The little boy says, Ah, the guy's naked. And everybody uh, who was standing around the emperor goes, My goodness, you're right. He is naked. And the emperor is embarrassed. And, you know, that's, that's how the story ends. Now, we're having one of those moments right now. It is now obvious to everyone that the preeminent college, the top university in the country, the top university possibly in the world, in terms of its brand and cachet, has promoted somebody to its top position simply because she's a black woman. And it's to the point where even other black intellectuals, if I can call John McWhorter this, who was a writer and a leftist himself, are starting to call it what it is. He writes, and I quote, it has always been inconvenient that Harvard's first black president has only published 11 academic articles. Now, we're not talking about the plagiarism. here. We're talking about before even knowing that she plagiarized these things, the fact that she only published 11 articles and not one single book is unprecedented among past leaders of Harvard University. People like Lawrence Summers, writes John McWhorter, have had vastly more voluminous academic records. And here's the line, and again, why I want you to think turning point. The discrepancy gives the appearance that Dr. Gay was not chosen because of her academic or scholarly qualifications, which Harvard is thought to prize, but rather because of her race. Mic drop. Further in the piece, Mr. McWhorter says, and I quote, but the allegations of plagiarism leveled at Dr. Gay come on top of her thin dossier and present a different kind of challenge. And the challenge is what? They're beginning, the left is even beginning to say this. What's the challenge? We all know it and it doesn't just happen at Harvard this soft bigotry of low or different expectation but lower expectations for people of color implies that the american left who purports to be um, certainly uh, they purport to be advocates for the disadvantaged are in fact Proceeding in a way where they believe that people of color can't make it without help. Everything we have been saying about affirmative action, for example, is now being openly debated and, and, and not on the conservative side, but on the left side. This is astounding. Quote, that Dr. Gay is black gives this an especially bad look. If she stays in her job, the optics will be that a middling publication record and chronically lackadaisical attention to crediting sources is somehow okay for a university president if she is black. Again, this is coming from a black liberal writer in the New York Times. The implication will be based on a fact, sad but impossible to ignore, that it is difficult to identify a white university president with a similar background. Yeah, no crap, because if this was a white guy, they'd be out on their rear. Quote, are we let to pass a tacit idea that for black scholars and administrators, the symbolism of our blackness, our diverseness, is what matters most about us? Close quote. This is powerful stuff. And I submit this to you as something published mere hours ago that it presents an example of turning points. Taking a quick break here, Sam Rojofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT, this hour of the What's Right show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right.
1: If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer.
0: It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So
1: call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com.
0: I'll tell you why the Claudine gay story matters. Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840, KXNT, you're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Yeah, she's the Harvard president who's plagiarized, it seems to be, <laughs> well, let's say this, has, has plagiarized portions of most of her very limited, quote-unquote, scholarly work. And the allegation being made in the New York Times, article published late yesterday, uh, opinion piece, excuse me, saying that she should go. And this is by somebody who is a, you know, a leftist, a black leftist writer. They've turned on her. And so as we round out the year here, today being the last What's Right show of the year, provided that we don't have any breaking developments next week, I... I'm focusing on what this year was and what I'm taking from it. And one of the things I'm I'm telling you, I'm describing in two words, I'm saying it's a turning point. Things are beginning to shift. Let me give you another shift. And again, this also was published, uh, let's see, what day was this? Two days ago. Rutgers University, the Miller Center on Policing and Community Resilience, and it's Intelligence Report December uh, 2023 issue together with the NCRI did an article on TikTok. Now, what have we conservatives been saying about TikTok? And producer Robbie, back me up on this. We've been consistent from the beginning. In fact, I remember when TikTok first came on the scene and, and, and Robbie, one of the, well, you served in the military, you served in, Air Force intelligence, one of the first things you told me when TikTok came on the scene is do not let anybody put it on work phones, period, full stop, end of sentence. And you told me, and I've listened to you, I've never put it on my phone. I I I just don't. I've never downloaded the app. You told me from the beginning that it was a dangerous, state-sponsored, you know, ChiCom app. So here's the study. Turns out, this is again being published by left-leaning groups and universities, look the TikTok content apparently is being amplified or suppressed based on whether it aligns with the CCP's, the ChICOM's geopolitical interests. This is this is huge. So the you know the Rutger study here shows a massive difference in pro-Chinese Communist Party content on TikTok compared to other major social media platforms. And here's the takeaway. Here's the direct quote from the piece, and I'm leaving this here because it's, it's important. It's not believable that this could happen organically. Now, what have we all been saying? We've been saying this, and we've been dismissed as conspiracy theorists, and now there's... Well, I'm just saying this is important because the trust, the expert crowd on the left now can't ignore this. <laughs> their own experts have come out and and, and made a conclusion about uh, something and confirming essentially our worst fears. The Chinese don't have to attack us militarily. They can absolutely destroy us from within by poisoning generations of this country with their Crap content. It's not even that it's crap content. It's, it's worse than that. You want to talk about election misinformation, disinformation, psyops? This is it. And this is not, you know, tinfoil hat stuff. It's, this, is, this is a very serious uh, situation. Why we allow this app in this country to operate is beyond me. And... I would focus, folks, and it's one of the things that I love about Ramaswamy, about Vivek, and you know Trump to a lesser extent, and DeSantis have all spoken out about this. I mean, this is an app that needs to be needs to be uh, banned, plain and simple. There's a national security reason to ban it, and now we're having a conversation about it that we were not having a year ago. So I just I give you this. ...as another example of something that's changed. Now here's another turning point. And Turley wrote about this yesterday. There's a Harvard-Harris poll. Majority of Democrats want Hunter prosecuted for contempt. 71% of Americans believe that Hunter should be prosecuted. And 54% of Democrats support his prosecution... It's starting to not look just like a witch hunt. Now, why am I saying turning point? I'm saying turning point because one year ago, November, December of 22, majority of Americans still believed they still believe that the laptop was disinformation wasn't real. And now we're finally to a point where we're 74 percent, 74 percent. Uh, well, eighty nine percent of Republicans support. Yeah, okay, I get that. Independents, seventy two percent support uh, support uh, Hunter Biden being prosecuted um, for failing. Listen, if it was, why am I talking about that? Well, because the laptop is the is the foundational piece of evidence that has led to this entire situation, right? The laptop is what has all the information. The laptop is what opened up, had all the emails, the documentation of all the money going back and forth. If the laptop had never gotten out, Biden and his merry band of Justice Department Democrats could have just swept all of this under the rug. Now, clearly, people believe the laptop is real. And they believe that efforts to obstruct Republicans and getting answers on it is, uh, was unlawful. So this, um, th- th- there's just, there's something going on. That's what I'm getting at. And, and I'll tell you another thing. I, I, you know, it's not just the polling, but a number of people that I know one year ago were absolutely done with Trump. And now we'll vote for him, admittedly holding their noses, but they just will not accept another four years from any Democrat. The Democrat brand has suffered immensely over the last 12 months to the point of making Trump an attractive candidate to many who had permanently and um, and strongly written him off. So this year, a turning point, no question about it. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840 KXNT, this hour of the What's Right Show brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234, because you deserve What's Right. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up.
1: Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com.
0: Greetings, friends, conversationalists, allies and foes. Sam Rajovsky News Talk 840, KXNTI, and Nevada's favorite Recovering Californian. Uh, let me tell you, I got to say another reason why I absolutely am loving the Harvard plagiarism story. The president who the school is hanging on to even though it is now manifestly obvious that she's completely unqualified to be in the position and that she has engaged in academic dishonesty that would disqualify a student, let alone— a president of the institution, I love this story because it is a tale of leftist self-destruction. one of the one of the most wonderful things to come from a free and open Twitter is that you really can find out a lot directly from people and it's unedited, it's unfiltered. And people are able to now post things that I believe under the former management at Twitter would have been, well, certainly would have been, would have been, um, would have been, the, the reach of it would have been tuned down, would have been monkeyed with, and then certainly some of it would have been taken down outright. Bill Ackman, who is the activist investor, billionaire guy, very, very wealthy, big donor to Harvard, and he's the one who's... You know, kind of led the the charge, if you will, of criticism against the school in the wake of its failure to protect Jew, Jewish students on campus and allowing the, you know, the Hamasophiles to run amok. He's been writing open letters to Harvard and those are getting published and everybody's pouring over. But on Twitter, he, uh, was today or yesterday, he put out a post where he goes into the background of What happened before he actually wrote his first open letter? And what he what he's talking about is all the instances, and he's an organized, obviously highly intelligent guy, but also, you know, he's he he has a record of all of this, and he goes through step by step all this all the effort he undertook to try to reason with the board. It's called the Harvard Corporation Board. It doesn't mean it's like the Board of Trustees. You know who the board chair is, Robbie? Penny Pritzker. The Pritzker family. Well, folks, let me tell you something. It's the Pritzker family, billionaire family, they're all insufferable liberal uh, fascists. I don't know how else to put it. J.B. Pritzker is the uh, governor of, big fat guy, the governor of, uh, of Illinois. Major leftists. These people were front and center in the COVID shutdowns. They, they, they're they're vile, and they use their money uh, to advance all sorts of crazy left wing causes. Okay, so the Pritzker family. So Penny Pritzker, which I I, I think Penny is J B Pritzker, the governor of Illinois's sister. Okay, um, and um, and that's, that's So anyway, that's that's okay. That's the back. So she's on the board, and he goes to her, right? Ackman goes to her. He's a billionaire donor, major donor to the school, and he goes to her and says, "Listen, we got to do something here." And he describes her response as deer in the headlights. Now, I'll tell you why they're deer in the headlights, because these people are all ideology and no brains. When what do we always say about leftists, right? Leftism is a persuasion of feeling. Uh that's right. It's feels what feels right. Well, you begin to logic with feelings, and all of a sudden you're bound to get a touch confused, right? So the the the, the, the point I'm making here is Ackman. Not as a ideologue, but just as a common sense guy, goes to the board and goes, "Hey, what are we doing here?" And this is, by the way, before Claudine Gay had her disastrous appearance in front of Congress. He says, "What are we doing here? Like, we got to protect students. We, we come on, like th- this, clearly, like yelling and harassing and directly assaulting Jewish students on campus by the, you know, by the Hamasophiles is, is, is out of bounds and." And and she, and she just froze up. And then they started ignoring his calls, which led to him writing that letter, the first open letter. Now, the point is, is this all could have been sorted out before it became front page national, if not international news. But they can't, they, they self-destruct because they can't fix it because if they fixed it, they would admit that they're, Ideology, based on identity, and identity alone, is failing. They would have to admit that they promoted somebody into that position that was wholly unqualified, and it is a keystone, right? Clauding gay is a symbol holding together the entire identity, politic, DEI agenda. And if you're wondering, if you're kind of just like me a business owner and going what the hell just remove her like let's get this done like move forward and put somebody qualified in it, yeah that's 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 a logical response i understand that but what i'm getting at is that actually they can't do it because it would it would um they they're undergo it would be a, well crisis of faith doesn't even begin to doesn't even begin to cover it. I think the whole thing begins to fall apart like the house of cards that it is. Like every good communist, you can't acknowledge the lie. You know who you want me to tell you who the first major uh communist in power who acknowledged the great lie of communism was? Opinions can differ on this. I don't think they differ. I, I, I'm fairly certain it's Gorbachev. Because Gorbachev came along and he'd spent some time in the West and he was a phenomenally intelligent guy, a younger guy. And he went and looked around and said, this system doesn't work. And But the minute that he acknowledged openly that the system doesn't work, and I know I'm simplifying this, folks, I get it, but the minute he did that, in a very short period of time relative to the history of the Bolshevik Revolution, Soviet Union, the Eastern Bloc. In a relatively short period of time, the entire thing came undone. And I'm bringing this up because, again, if you ask me to reflect on this year, here as we sit today on the last show of the year that I'll be doing, what two words describe the year? And I say turning point. And again, I tell you, my job is to look around corners and see a little bit ahead of uh, of where we're headed, not just react to the moments of the day. And what I am seeing, I'm seeing signs, okay, that, you know, f- these important moments and, and that give me, one, they, of course, give me great hope, but, but the, the reason they give me hope is because what I see, these are events where things are beginning to destruct. Ackman asks when I say... This is the guy right? who's single-handedly right now chiseling away at the Harvard disaster. Big donor, big money. Uh, he's got a lot of clout, and he's super smart. And by the way, he's Jewish, okay? So he's he's standing up for the Jewish students on campus. He asks in a post on X, formerly known as Twitter, why, quote, you might ask, are they self-destructing? And his answer, the principal reason I believe is that they are afraid of being called racist. They have concluded that if they fired President Gay, Harvard's first black president, they would be canceled and deemed racist. They have failed to act out of fear. Now, that's not all of it. That's a simplification. Ackman's not a, he's a smart guy, so he, he acknowledges then they would also have to admit they made a bad choice in selecting Gay and acknowledge that they ignored concerns raised about gay scholarship and leadership prior to appointing her. But I think it's even bigger than this. They have the, she is a symptom. She's not the problem. She is the symptom of a system that has been a fundamental and disastrous deviation from the meritocracy that the United States ought to be and that has made this country great. We have gone from promoting people based on their quality of work, of intellect, of bravery, of integrity, to being a society that, run by the leftists, the progressives, the revolutionaries, have decided that equity is the most important thing. And what's the result? Well, an institution and a brand as powerful, vaunted, elite as Harvard is literally on fire. So you want signs of things to come? You want signs of self-destruction on the left? Look no further than the situation at Harvard. Friends, we'll take a quick break here. Sam (laughs) Marjofsky, well, am I, yes, I'm delighting in it. Of course I'm delighting in it because I was right. You were right. We could see this happening a, a mile away. So are we happy? No, we don't take any delight in institutions in our country failing. But these, kind of, these institutions have, have, are rotted to the core. And what we need right now is a great reckoning okay, of, uh, against and of this, of this defunct ideology. There needs to be a great reckoning, and that's the problem with libs. They've got tremendously short memories. You'd think that after their great socialist experiment failed everywhere it was tried in the 20th century, they wouldn't, wouldn't think about bringing it all back in the 21st. Well, that's giving them way too much credit. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT, you're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right.
1: If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer.
0: It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So
1: call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com.
0: Everything the left touches turns to you-know-what. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. Uh, <laughs> well. Listen, maybe this is my Robbie. Maybe this is my uh, my bias, of course, given my family's background. Well, just before the break here on the What's Right show, I mentioned that it's perplexing that the left, having lost, failed—I should say—is the better way of putting it. Had failed. In every in every experiment of socialism and communism in the twentieth century, it all blew up. It all ended um, ignominiously. And you'd think that after that, folks, that the left would say, "Okay, you're right. We got this. We got the point. You know, it's fair." It turns out, capitalism, meritocracy, and such is not a bad way to go. Let's adopt those principles, and we'll add some social issues no 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 they doubled down on it they rebranded you know Marxism uh, in this in this racial context and have doubled down and that's now why Harvard and uh, Disney and all these you know entities vaunted uh, companies and institutions that took years years decades to build up Harvard centuries to build up. Are literally decaying from within. Now I have long known that the left turns everything to to poo because um I, I will give you a real example of this. For example, you know, when they confiscated my family's factories uh, in the what was then Czechoslovakia, uh 1948, 40, 49, 50, uh, the nationalization, you know, this is what communists do. They don't build anything themselves. They're incapable of it. They just steal what other people have produced. They lock the people up. They take their stuff and and, 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 and give it, quote-unquote, to the workers. Of course, that's not exactly a transfer. So they took their factories with everything in them, and by the time they were giving them back by order of law when the country finally rid itself of the Bolshevik curse, what do you think... You know what? What do you think we got? Well, I'll tell you, it wasn't good, right? They took a gleaming, successful business that survived World War II and 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 a depression was still standing, was still perfect, was was functioning, was was profitable, and gave us what a rusting, disgusting heap of garbage. Remember, I got to see this firsthand as a ten-year-old kid. I got to see a country that was freed four weeks, five weeks earlier from the communist menace. Prague, one of the most beautiful cities, one of the most, one of the wealthiest cities uh, in history in Europe, uh, arguably, um, just uh, uh, just a wreck. Everything the left touches turns to poo. I can't say the other word, but I think you know what I mean. That's why I spend so much time here talking about San Francisco. I talk about, you know, I talk about L.A. I talk about New York. These cities that were built by incredible people, by people, dare I say, profit-oriented people who came in and, and took great risk and worked their A-money monies off. These cities are what they are, not because of the left, not because of equity, diversity, inclusion. They are what they are because men and women, in the early years of the United States, particularly in these big cities, came here from all around the world for the opportunity to succeed, not for a free lunch, not for a leg up because I guess of how you look or what kind of, what, what kind of sex organ you have. In fact, I will tell you that people succeeded in this country and built great wealth and built beautiful buildings and You know, turn these these you know small cities into great cities, in spite of tremendous opposition, and you could say even discrimination right against immigrants, Italians, Poles, Germans. This is not a country that whined about boo, you know, boohoo. I you know, I'm being discriminated against, and the left instead of instead of celebrating the fact that we are a country that has overcome an admittedly ugly history of, for example, slavery, it's real institutionalized, if you will, discrimination, right? That we overcame it, that hundreds of thousands of Americans died to end that vile practice. What have they done instead for us, the new left? all they want to do is put us into separate us into little groups and give us promotion based off of how much we complain about the system hurting us they've turned they've turned being a victim right into into a currency you get more when you're a victim and and i could give you by the way those of you who've had uh kids go to college and i'm not there yet i got my son as uh, as uh, as a sophomore but but even I remember this in 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 one thousand nine hundred and ninety eight when I was graduating high school um, i I can tell you uh, hands down every every uh, uh, you know college counselor right who, who's who's helping you know you you put out an application will tell you you 've got to highlight the fact that you 've you 've you 've had struggles you 've got to tell them how marginalized are you 've got to find ways to let them know that you are you are somehow disadvantaged it's a currency it didn't used to be this way people came to this country and like my parents uh for example 1977 uh show up here with with nothing make a life for themselves it's difficult it's hard people like um great italian uh, immigrants that showed up and went through Ellis Island and became successful. Even though, even in even in the working classes, far more successful than they were in Europe. We ought to be celebrating in this country what people have been able to achieve here. And what does the left do? They te- they want to tear down every bit of that history because it is inconvenient to their narrative. Well, their ideology is defunct, and the cracks are beginning to show. So again, as I say, 2023, as we reflect on it here at the end of the year, I believe we're coming to a turning point if we're not there already. Be back after the break. Sam Rzowski, News Talk 840, KXNT.
1: Hi, it's Ash from Sam and Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to SamandAshLaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right.
0: All right, welcome back, folks. Sam Marjofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. The What's Right show is on brought to you by Salmon Ash Injury Law. Folks, this will be our last show of the year. Uh, I will be taking next week off together with producer Robbie, who is uh, in the late stages here of his um, uh, COVID uh, recovery. So uh, wishing you, Robbie, glad you're doing better today, wishing you all the best uh, as you, yeah, short haul COVID. That's right. That's right. Well, and, and, I, you would say, right, that from yesterday to today was a bit of a turning point, if you will. You've um, you've improved, so I'm I'm glad, ninety um, percent better on on day three or four, whatever it is. So that's that's a good sign. Now, speaking of turning points, uh, this is what I am, am am how I am summarizing the year. I'm saying the two words that come to my mind is a uh, turning point, and the reason is is that. Uh, when I look uh, today and I, I reflect uh, you know, this month on where we are compared to where we were in December of 22, uh, there are some uh, uh, critical differences, some critical uh, things that have changed. Now, I'm speaking, right, speaking about COVID, right, Robbie? I mean, one of the things is, like, can you imagine if somebody told you a year ago that a Democrat like Newsom would be using Lockdown governor, that 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 phrase, that term, right? Lockdown governor. If the Gavin Newsom would be using that against Ron DeSantis as a slur, <laughs> well, I'm just. It used. To, if you were a governor that was that had locked down his state, you were a hero. And now even the left knows that it was a terrible, horrible mistake. That's my point, right? That's. That's a critical thing, but here's another thing. You know that, as as Robbie, as you put it, right? Trans terrorists—they're no longer scary. You know, take somebody like uh, Martina Navratilova. Well, she's the Czech uh, tennis player, uh, kind of a groundbreaking person through her own uh, again different identity because she came out as lesbian. Many many years ago, when it was less in vogue uh, than it is now, and she's an absolute leftist. If you follow her on Twitter, on X, excuse me, if you follow her on X, you listen. I, most of what she tweets about Trump, uh, for example, politics is is inane. It's just it's just terrible. And guess what? She is absolutely outspoken in her condemnation of trans athletes, of men competing in female sport. Now here's this is indefensible and she's an athlete she's a female athlete I and mean, she's probably reflecting what it would have been like in her era when she was you know was a top you know female uh, tennis player what it would have been like for her to have had to compete against biological men. I mean it would just have been uh, a disaster. And so she's I was spoken about, and, and the the beautiful thing is, it used to be maybe two, three years ago that if you came out and criticized, even a year ago, the the word turf, if you trans exclusionary radical feminists, the 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 crazy uh, trans terrorists out there would would shout you down, show up, and absolutely berate you, and they could destroy you. It's not happening anymore. Twenty twenty three was the year of Dylan Mulvaney. Now, if you tell that to a still recovering leftist, uh, they will tell you, um, "Oh well, Dylan Mulvaney's brave and that was an unfortunate debacle, that thing with Bud Light. But I'll tell you, I have a very different reading of it that I think you probably do as well. That is an example where the world, not just conservatives, but the world kind of here in the U.S. said, okay, enough is enough we we we're, we're sorry i uh, aligning bud light with this sort of uh, bizarro uh, kabuki theater nonsense this mockery of womanhood is inexcusable and the story of bud light in the um, annals of business and marketing uh, coursework i mean it's going to be this is going to be a thing of this will be entire chapters devoted to this in textbooks for years to come. Now, here's here's another thing. This has been a tremendous year on Twitter, and not just not just in the trans realm where now you you don't get permanently banned from Twitter for misgendering somebody, but you're able to openly express ideas in a way that we never were before. Again, it's a turning point. The Target mess. Remember the Target. I mean, Yes, we, we said no to Target selling tuck-friendly wear for toddlers. And that's because most normal people really think that a toddler uh, doesn't know anything about their gender identity and that this is just parents who are mentally ill projecting onto their kids and that we ought not be participating in this and stores that encourage it don't deserve our support, and you've seen some of the uh, economic signs here. I mean, it's well. It's I'll tell you, it's it's um, it, the target has not had a great year. What's another company that's experiencing a turning point? Well, what with Disney? In just one year time, we went from their. Big push for Don't Say Gay. We're going to fight Governor Newsom, uh, DeSantis. Excuse me. Whoa, that was a slip. Governor DeSantis, we're going to fight DeSantis on Don't Say Gay, which led to the ouster of their CEO, Bob Chappick. And now the uh, former CEO's come in, uh, back in the saddle, um, Iger. And Bob Iger's trying to right the ship. And it's gotten so bad over at Disney that. And I, we we talked about this not too far uh, long ago. We they've in their SEC filings, in their declaration about their health as a company, they've Disney has had to admit that their products are quote unquote misaligned with what consumer taste, and they've had to literally in writing in an official document. Where if you, by the way, if you if you lie in those SEC filings or tell put things in there that aren't true, you can be criminally charged. So in those filings, they've literally said, you know we're we're basically producing stuff that nobody wants to see. I would call that a turning point. You want another turning point? What about illegal immigration? What about Democrat mayors like the one in New York, Eric Adams. Who went from, uh, who went from literally campaigning on the promise to be sanctuary cities to 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 being uh, to, to being uh, outspoken critics of the Biden administration on these open borders? Mayors now of big uh, five big cities—Chicago, Denver, Houston, LA, New York—are are actually wanting to go and have a meeting with Biden. Why do you think that is? What do you think they want from Biden? They want him to control the border and get these migrants out of their cities. They're overrun. They can't handle it. They can't do it. They're crying wolf. Well, crying wolf. They're not crying wolf. They're 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 that's not, yeah. they're they're exasperated. They're literally crying. But I the reason I well, the reason I say the, the, these are these are all people that advocated for this stuff to happen. They all wanted this to occur. And now they're in a now now they're they're suffering the consequences. It's almost as if on the immigration topic while we're while we're going there, you know, this is the problem with liberalism, right? You know, a liberal gets up there and says, "We got to take care of the poor. We got to have free education. We got to have uh, free health care. We gotta let in every immigrant that needs to come here because we're an open society. We're, we got we got to do all these things. And you say, as a conservative, all right, buddy, that's all fabulous. What immigrants are you going to accept into your home? Do you, you've got a guest house. You got a guest room, right? How about a little migrant family for your house? On the subject of healthcare, can you chip in $200 a month to help pay for that family in your neighborhood that's uninsured? How about education? Do you have a $1,000 a year that you can contribute to paying for education um, in your county for kids that can't go to college, can't go to community college? Do you have, can you contribute to that? Because your $1,000 could help three kids go to community college this semester. What does that liberal do? Because I've had these conversations with my liberal friends. Oh, that's absurd. That's not how the system works. Oh, I know what you want. You want all this stuff, but you don't want to pay for it. You want to let all these, you know, immigrants in, no idea who they are. You want to let them in the country, but not into your house. You don't want them in your neighborhood. You want them over there. Libs are such nimbiers, right? Not in my backyard. They're, 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 yes, this is exactly it. And all the stuff that they want, they're not willing to personally sacrifice for it. So now the sacrifices are real. Now the mess is overflowing. And now you have, again, I say turning point. You've got cities like New York, very left wing, led by a, a Democrat mayor of People all you know pro uh, pro sanctuary cities and oh that racist orange man president Donald Trump putting locking kids in cages and now they're ready to lock them all up in cages they are done because their city has turned into a toilet so it's you know the the, the policies now are the the policies and that's why I started talking about the Har- and I think the Harvard story is so important. Because the entire DEI race-based promotion uh, uh, philosophy and ideology is, is a house of cards. And it's crumbling in front of everybody's eyes. And they're hanging on to it for dear life because they don't want to admit that they were wrong. And I'm just sitting over here with popcorn looking at it all and going, this is fabulous. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT, you're listening to the What's Right Show. Brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law because you deserve what's right.
1: If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer.
0: It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your
1: values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit com.
0: Okay, here's another example of a turning point on the trans ideology front. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. One of many things or subjects that are getting challenged uh, or have been challenged uh, more in the last 12 months than, than, than any time prior. Uh, this, is a, this is a study and, and um, apparently just got published. Who did this? Dr. John Armstrong. At the King's College of London, Dr. Alice Sullivan of the University of College London and George Perry, an independent American researcher, analyzed the results of 21 races from the New York runners non-binary category where both bio men and women compete. Guess what this new study revealed? Biological sex apparently matters more than gender identity in sports. <laughs> Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT, The What's Right Show is on. I'm just telling you, like this, this was published yesterday, December 21st, in the Publica. I know for a fact, a year ago, this this study wouldn't have even gotten through peer review. It just wouldn't have. You couldn't say this out loud a year ago. And I submit it as another example of this year being very successful in rolling back and pushing against uh this militant leftist extremism that's been plaguing not just our country but the entire world. So that's you know that well. Needs to be said. By the way, also the image of Biden as a loving family man. Remember when the New York Times Maureen Dowd had to come out and say it's seven grandkids, Mr. President, because Biden wouldn't even acknowledge the uh, illegitimate daughter that um, uh, his son Hunter had with the uh, with the stripper dancer, whatever she was. Yeah, yeah. So, so then then they actually <laughs> the White House removed all the grandkids stockings after uh, finally the president acknowledging uh, the uh, love child. I don't, these are just moments. I'm telling you, these are things that happened this year that did not happen in 22. They didn't happen in 21. I think we're also recognizing now people are coming out and realizing that the, that the, uh, all the, all the COVID stuff was insane. You know those of us that were saying this in twenty late twenty twenty for example, and concerned about vaccines i you know now every now it's all of a sudden people are saying, "Oh I never took the vaccine I only got it I only got it once never got a booster i mean people are people are just running away from it as fast as they can. It's fantastic to see so many converts to our way of thinking so um Oh, I'm just, I'm just, look, I'm just saying it's, um, um, I, it's interesting. I, um, I, 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 and I, it's, all of it is encouraging. Um, all of it is encouraging. It really is. um, so I, you know, I, 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 I tell you, I'm, I'm, yes, I am, I'm very, I'm very happy about this. Now, another, another uh, thing here that has to be said too is, is the whole question of Israel on October seventh, because I'll make an argument that there has been an awakening on the American left to anti-Semitism coming from the Democratic Party, coming from the left. I think a lot of Democrat liberals who also happen to be Jewish, and their allies are realizing that there is an enormous amount of anti-Semitism on their side. People they thought were their allies are in fact turning out to be uh, uh, just not not there for them. I also think it's a huge turning point for the Palestinian movement. My entire life, Robbie, growing up, everybody always was it was a very popular leftist position to be pro-Palestine, and it still is, right? It's still, it's, they're all still, well, Palestine, Palestine, but now it's an, it's an almost indefensible position. Because in order to be pro-Palestine, you have to be pro, I mean, Hamas, it doesn't mean begin to cover, it, it's, a, it's a euphemistic to, to just say pro-terrorist. You have to be down with people binding families together with, with wire and then lighting them on fire alive. You've got to be down with people who put babies into ovens. You've got to be down with people that cut off body parts off of women as they're raping them alive and then shooting them in the head after 40 men have had their way with them. You've got to be down with that. It's a little inconvenient position for, uh, for, for the left. It supposedly is, you know, is... Um, well, you know, protective of women, you know, and and the like. Now, I want to get to this because there was, you know, you know, Cenk Uyghur, a Young Turks guy. I'm going to play this after the break because it, I just, he got schooled. He went on TV, went on with Pierce Morgan, and he got absolutely schooled in a way. Again, this is another example of a moment that wouldn't have happened a year ago and shank Uyghur is a if you don't know it's a young turk he's a left wing guy turkish guy right and he's he's he, he's a he's an agitator certainly and very pro palestinian and 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 i would i would say this too i would say that before october 7th we, uh, Uyghur was a guy who was represented the uh, majority opinion of the Democratic left in the United States, but now he's just been outed as a Jew hater. That's what he is. He's just he's just a guy who's plainly anti-Semitic. You just get up there and say, "I don't I don't want Jews to exist," because the inconsistency of his position and others like him is um, uh, manifestly prejudiced against 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 Israel and against you know Jews right large. Now, none of that makes me happy. I'm just, I'm glad that these people are being exposed. And that's what I'm talking about. That's the turning point. All right, friends, got to take a quick break. I'll play you the clip I'm talking about the moment Chank Weger's career ended. When we return from the break, Sam Rachowski, News Talk 840, you're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right.
1: Hi, it's Ash from Salmon Ash Injury Law. You need a lawyer you can trust. So give us a call at 702-820-1234 or go to salmonashlaw.com. No pressure, just answers, because you deserve what's right.
0: I think it, it has to be said, right, that October 7th and Hamas's violent attack on Israel was a turning point in 2023. But a turning point, you know, generally speaking, in the history of the world when we look back on this date and decades to come. Sam Arjofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT, was just telling you before the break here on the What's Right show that we had a murder occur on TV. A career murder, if you will. Chenk Cenk Weger, who is a, an agitator of sorts, a leftist, a pro palestine pro hamas guy quite frankly he was uh, on a um, a program a pierce morgan's program when pierce morgan was 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 talking to him uh and was also was also uh had a douglas murray on who is a reporter and author and um and Cenk Uyghur basically went went on in the program talking about how this is something, you know, this is a major genocide, Israel, all the talking points, all the left-wing talking points. Israel's committing genocide. You know, Israel is an occupying force. Israel, Israel, Israel. Huh? And Douglas Murray tore into him. And this is a particular part of it that I really want you to hear because this was a direct attack, if you will, criticism of Cenk Uyghur. But it's actually a, this could be said to any liberal and it is being said out loud and it's so true and everybody knows it's so true that it's starting to discredit every position that these Hamas fetishists have. And uh, anyway, I'll let, y- I'll let you all listen to it. Here's what, here's what Douglas Murray said to Cenk Uyghur. And Cenk, by the way, looked like the cat that swallowed the canary. He, he just, he, he, he,
2: or a deer in the headlights. He just didn't even know what to say. But I'd just like to point out that you only really get animated if the Jews are involved. And I can tell that for the following reason. I mean, your surname's Uyghur, isn't it? One million Uyghur Muslims in China have been put in concentration camps in the last decade. And, pe- you know, people of your ilk never really care about that, do you? Because it's not the Jews doing it. It's the Chinese Communist Party. At the moment, one million, pa- pa- one million people who are, from pa- who are in Pakistan at the moment, who are your fellow Muslims, Muslims and who happen to be Afghan, and I don't think you care about them, do you? One million Afghans are currently being forcibly deported from Pakistan to Afghanistan. You don't care about that. You're not riled up about that. You're not riled up about what the jungleweed are currently doing in Sudan, where Thousands and thousands of people are being attacked by the, by the Islamist militia there. You don't care about any of that. You get exercised and you rile up what little base you have of malcontents because you're riled up when the Jews do anything. All right, it's Cenk. perfectly oh, obvious. Okay.
0: I mean, it, it, and this, by the way, had gone on for minutes beforehand. And it's I mean, it was. All of it was really pointed. At what point Douglas Murray said that uh, Chenk was ill-read and they didn't leave his own bedroom? Well, I mean, I'm just telling you. And and incidentally, this selective outrage, what does this remind you of? Because it reminds me of something. It reminds me. You know how the, the Hamas people are very closely ideologically aligned with BLM? One thing that they have in common is their selective outrage. You know, if your name, if the name of your organization, BLM, is quite literally that Black Lives Matter, isn't it a little outrageous that you only get upset when a white police officer takes the life of a black American, but you say nothing, you do nothing, you don't, you don't, you only know, ignore completely the insane and statistically, right, numerically overwhelming black on black violence all across this country. That even the NAACP has to write a letter to the powers that be, and this happened. Right, this is another turning point that I'm gonna I'm gonna give you here. The NAACP this year had to write a letter to the mayor and the city council there in Oakland, California, to basically tell them to hire more cops. The NAACP wrote a letter where they said BLM and the the defund police movement can go F themselves because we have black Americans in our city, black residents of Oakland, who are being disproportionately affected by violence because we don't have enough police. We need more police in the neighborhood. Nowhere in the letter did it say, well, we need to hire officers of color. Uh, uh, uh. It said we need more cops. Full stop. The NAACP had an awakening on this issue. Now, they didn't make the connection and understand that BLM is a, Organization that at its core wants pandemonium, wants crisis, wants people dying same way that Hamas does, okay? Because in crisis, there is political opportunity. The parallels are numerous, but again, it's the same thing. It's just as the left is crying about Israel and uh, the Palestinians, Israel's killing – you know – I think we're all beginning to see the pictures of these tunnels, these beautiful, concrete, giant tunnels. You know what that cost for Hamas to build in Gaza underneath all these schools? Nowhere are there any rooms set up for the occupants of the schools, of the hospitals, of the civilian population. There are no bunkers to protect the people of Gaza. And why is it? The scam that is the Palestinian liberation effort, right, two-state effort, is, has come to full light. They wanted to provoke Israel in order for Israel to come and kill their quote-unquote innocence. One thing Douglas Murray, by the way, says to Cenk Weiger in this interview, he goes, this, this, I want to dispel you of this myth of innocent Palestinians, if there was an election held in Gaza, and he's been there, he's been on the ground, he knows this, and he's right. He says if there was an election held today in, the Ga- in, in Gaza, Hamas would win. Think about that. Every time somebody tells you, oh, the innocence, right? But whose responsibility are the innocents of that country? Presumably of their government. And their government deliberately has put them in harm's way, provoked an enemy, and then leadership, the fighters, hide in the tunnels while the kids up at street level die in the ensuing and very justifiable attack from Israel. We're finally seeing this. Palestinian scam be exposed for what it is, and I don't know. We I don't think we were there pre October seventh. I don't think I don't think that Hamas and Palestinian these Palestinian causes are defensible any longer after October seventh. And I think certainly a number of leftists, Democrats, and such have have exposed themselves as being anti-Semitic, and it is absolutely creating an enormous. Uh, a crisis of, of of faith for many Democrats, Jewish Democrats that I know, who are who are uh, for the first time uh, red pilling a little bit, and 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 or at the very least are beginning to question the the doctrines of the Democratic Party. As I have said from the beginning here uh, in in October, as soon as this horrible. Attack uh, came to light is you cannot coexist with people that want you dead. And that is a mantra, right, of the Democratic Party of leftism, coexist. We all need to get along. Tolerance. How do you tolerate intolerance? How do you tolerate and coexist people who literally want you erased from this world? And again... My plug, my shameless plug here for the First Amendment, isn't it wonderful that we can see and hear from all these people who want to kill us? Isn't it wonderful that we can listen to these radical progressives tell us exactly what they're thinking? I, for one, cherish living in a country that lets me do that. I'm just saying it's nice to know where the enemy is. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve what's right.
1: If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer.
0: It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So
1: call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Hi,
0: welcome back. Sam Marjofsky here. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Common Sense Conservatism served daily, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. Here's an interesting story today. This was on a podcast yesterday, but it's making the rounds today. A representative, a U.S. representative congressman, Tim Burchett, uh, went on the Benny show and said basically that members of Congress are compromised uh, through so-called honeypot uh, operations to get them to uh, perhaps change how they vote on certain legislation. Now, what's a honeypot? Well, okay, classic honeypot. Who comes to mind? Producer Robbie, who is – who is the one congressman that immediately comes to mind compromised by a honeypot uh, situation? Because I, 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 there's one name. Yeah, uh, Swalwell? Yeah. Um, yeah, Chitty Chitty Fang Bang, um, I think was her name, uh, or something similar to that. Chinese agent, purportedly got into a little relationship with her. And, um, I mean, he thought she was really into him. I mean, smoking hot Asian gals all up in his business. And he, um, yeah, he got, he got, yeah, he got tied up. And, he, and by the way, by the way, he doesn't go out and necessarily deny it when he gets asked, right? He always, yeah, he's, well, sometimes he does he He's, he's I've heard interviews where people go after and say, this is absurd, he just says it's absurd and waves it off. There's there's something there is what I'm what I'm getting at. So Tim Burchett yesterday said this about what's going on in Congress. It's that it works. You're visiting, you're out of the country, or out of town or you're in a motel or bar at, in D.C. And some whatever you're you're into, women or men or whatever comes up and they're very attractive and they're laughing at your jokes. And and, they, and you're buying them a drink. Next thing you know, you're in the motel room with them naked. And next thing you know, you know, you're about to make a key vote. And what happens? Some well dressed person comes up and whispers in your ear, Hey man, there's tapes out on you. Were you in a motel room on whatever with whoever? And then you're like, Uh oh. And said, You really ought not be voting for this thing. Wow. Now, again, let me say something. I feel like more people are coming forward of late talking about some of these behind the scenes shenanigans in Congress than they ever have before. It's I mean, do you do you have do you have any doubt that this has happened? I mean, these guys, do you think that these guys serving in Congress are immune? to the alluring nature of someone they are attracted to and could I mean this is this is a tale as old as time and who's compromising them right it, look the way to get the way to get Biden the way to lure a guy like Biden is it's not going to be with a with with a attractive woman it well it might be a nice 12-year-old girl with with uh, freshly shampooed hair that's true i'll give you that uh, but if you can if you can show up with $10 million, you'll get, uh, President Biden will be interested in that. He's got to go see his son, that's all. But the idea of, of some of these guys in Congress, you know, ugh, I mean, I, folks, I'll tell you right now, it is the last job on the planet I would ever want. I, okay, so I live in Vegas. And what am I going to do? As a guy, I'm going to go get on a, plane every week and fly uh, across the entire country to, you know, uh, you know, uh, the three hour time difference and be there in a, in a place all by myself going to parties. I, um, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you right now, maybe, uh, maybe there are better people out there than I am, but I can tell you it would be a recipe for disaster for my marriage. And that's me being—I'm always honest with you, folks. It's me being being as honest as I can be. Okay, anyone who any guy that tells you uh, that it that 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 it isn't is lying to you. Okay. And so these these guys, the congressmen, are out there, and they, um, or they're you know, or they're closeted gay. I mean, can you imagine if you're a Republican congressman, you're married, beautiful family, you got a bunch of kids, and. And you're, it turns out that uh, you're you're really into the um, the allures of the same sex. Not that there's anything wrong with it. Of course, cheating on your wife is not a good idea. But there it is. And and they have compromised. It's career ending. It's over. Game over. They own you. So what's my take on this revelation by Tim Burdett? I um I think he's right. I'm just going to come right out and say it. I think he's right, Robbie. And I think there's. There's something to be said for this. By the way, a judge just released, speaking of Compromont, a judge ordered a release of 150 names of people mentioned in Jeffrey Epstein's lawsuit documents. So people who are in some way you know, players in this. I want to caution you folks about this. Everybody who thinks that this is the, the client list or the, the I guess, the, the fellow victimizer list, might be disappointed because people are going to be named here who are also victims, okay? I would assume, right? I mean, because not everybody named in these lawsuits, some of these people were were women, young women who were trafficked. But this is what Epstein did, and if you have to ask why did Epstein uh, avoid responsibility for his crimes for so long, the answer is pretty simple. Because I've read some of these lawsuits. I've read some of this testimony over the many years that I've been following the story. And I can tell you that he had cameras set up in his guest rooms. And he'll, classic thing, you know, he'd invite you if you're Bill Clinton or whatever and can't keep your, can't keep Mr. Happy away from, from, from women. And he would find some, some alluring young lady who was not yet 18, film you with that with that woman with that girl okay and uh from that point forward i mean he had he had he could destroy you with the with the with a keystroke uh, uh, on his keyboard and that the fbi raided his safe and we still don't have any of that released tells you just how much compromise he had he had enough compromise in there that the boss of the boss of the boss of the people that rated that safe told everyone to stand down. I'm telling you, it's powerful stuff. So is this congressman right about compromise? It's very simple to do. And by the way, hiring an attractive woman to go and lure a guy and sleep with him and filming it is a lot cheaper than paying $10 million bribe to somebody. Let me tell you that. This is highly efficient. So I think the, the change, the turning point, if you will, will continue into next year. Of course, it's 2024. All bets are off. I mean, I could see any number of things going down. And obviously we have a big election in, in November. So when this program resumes, folks, uh, on the second of January, we have some work to do, right? We gotta, we gotta keep Nevada free and we've gotta win our country back. And I plan on doing my part. So I wish all of you, I really hope each and every one of you have an absolutely wonderful Christmas. I know this time of year is difficult for many of you. Uh, I know it's particularly painful for those of you who have lost someone this year. Uh, holidays are tough. And so I, 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 you're in my thoughts. I appreciate all of you so tremendously. I can't even begin to explain it i have the emails of support that i get from you the kind words when you stop me when you see me my family out and about uh here in town and i I hear from you how much you enjoy the program it just it keeps me going and it um i I just need to express here uh in this uh, christmas season that um that those those kind words uh are just deeply appreciated so thank you all. Uh, Producer Robbie, thank you for, for putting up with me this year, another year uh, in the books. Um, and um, and look, well, we're going to come back uh, with, with greater resolve and energy in the new year uh, to tackle all of this. That much, I promise you. All right, friends, have a wonderful and merry Christmas and a happy new year. Wishing you all the best. And I'll see you here in January on the 2nd. Cannot wait. Be safe out there, please. And God bless each and every one of you.